Hi everyone and welcome to our new organisation's podcast, Informed. So in this podcast we'll be chatting about all things allied health and we'll be discussing how you can navigate that tricky world of NDIS. So my name's Rachel and I'm the Director of Better Rehabilitation. We will be joined this week by Danielle Cheeseman who is our wonderful superstar Deputy State Manager in Queensland who will be talking about her experience being a hard of hearing person and what it's like working in this area um, in occupational therapy and in better rehab. Okay, Danielle, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. So, Danielle, I wanted to start off by asking, why did you become an OT? So, when I was growing up, a lot of people helped me, particularly with my hard of hearing, and I guess I wanted to work in a career where I could help other people, Mm. and I felt like OT was a great way of doing that. Right. Yeah. Great. And so, when you talk about how occupational therapists help you, what kind of stuff did they used to do? They used to help me get hearing aids, they Mm. used to help with speech and language, Mm. that was probably more speech therapists. Mm -hmm. Um, and I had, yeah, audiologists helping with hearing and then, yeah, that really helped me growing up so I could participate at school and make friends and Mm. things like that. So was it through the Department of Education that you saw these OT speeches? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Okay. Interesting. And and I had different assistive technology that helped me going through school as well. So Mm. things like an FM system that I gave to the teacher and that helped me hear the teacher clearly and things like that. So... From having that experience growing up with people helping me, I really wanted to move into a profession where I could do a similar thing. That's brilliant. So tell me, being a hard of hearing occupational therapist, has there been any challenges for you? So there's definitely been a lot of challenges, but Mm. I think um, the main thing is that it really helps me build rapport with people who I see and particularly the deaf and hard of hearing population. As soon as I meet them, we have a common understanding and... Um, really understand I guess the difficulties of going through life which in whichever profession and that's really helped build rapport and really um, understand them and understand what their goals are. Mm. In terms of the challenges for me being an OT I think the main thing is around um, being hearing in group conversations and hearing I guess in meeting situations where there's a lot of people chatting but I've had lots of wonderful support and yeah managed to get through it so it's all been fine that's wonderful okay so with these challenges do you think you were talking a lot there about building rapport yeah do you think with um the hard of hearing population there is a tendency to trust someone who's been through what they're going through as well and understanding it from their perspective yeah definitely so in the deaf community it the deaf culture is really important. So Mm. for someone who is deaf, they actually don't see themselves as having a disability. Um, People who are deaf and are part of the deaf signing community share a common language, common culture and common history. And that really bonds them. And then they're also united by the use of Auslan. So Mm. often people who are deaf um, work with deaf people, have friends who are deaf, marry people who are deaf so they're not actually around hearing people that often Interesting. so they're very proud to be part of this community and it's yeah I guess it makes them who they are and a lot of people who you meet who are deaf won't want to be hearing they're very proud to be deaf so it's a really interesting shift on the whole disability model when you do move into the deaf community 
Um, I guess some things to be mindful of in the deaf community is that, um, so they like, people who are in the deaf community like to spell their name um, with a capital D deaf, so okay. that really emphasises their deaf identity. Mm. They also, um, the people who quite like being deaf, they don't like having cochlear implants, they don't like having hearing aids, so mm. um, that's not something that normally I bring up and chat to them about. Interesting, so it's a topic to generally avoid, is yes, it? Yes, definitely. Mm. And the people who are normally part of the deaf community they are people who use Auslan um mm. people who are deaf coders which is a fun name for children of deaf adults so mm. their first language is often Auslan interesting and then I guess they often become interpreters growing up and things mm. like that so they're part of the deaf community and then some hearing people who live and work with deaf people great yeah. that's amazing so it does sound like it's it's a very close community yeah so definitely. just a quick question you can probably extend on this when I did actually do level one yeah um basic Auslan that is they were talking a lot about deaf culture and mm-hmm. how it is a very resilient and tight-knit community because there was a lot of discrimination and previously people Correct. were banned from, you know, having Auslan or Correct. using Auslan in schools. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about yeah. that and encourage to speak so yeah. there's that negative connotation? Definitely. So I think it was before the 1960s, Auslan was banned in schools and education centres, so a lot of older people who you'll meet won't be able to read and write. Mm. so obviously from having that growing up they have a very negative view sometimes of hearing people sometimes of the education system so I guess that's also why they feel that Auslan is so important to them and they don't want their hearing to be taken away by putting an ocular implant in or putting a hearing aid in interesting and then after Auslan was started to be brought back into schools they also started to use a method where they uh people who were hard of hearing they covered their mouth so they couldn't lip read so actually when i was Mm. growing up my parents were taught that way so they were taught to put their hand over their mouth when they were speaking so i couldn't lip read them so there's definitely been a lot of challenges like that Mm. as deaf people have been growing up which is why i think um there's been a lot of yeah they are a tight mix community and there's a bit of resistance to Mm. outsiders I guess coming in Mm. so that's really interesting so avoiding stuff like cochlear implants hearing aids letting people guide that conversation if they choose to go down that route I that's incredible to know also another question on that with Mm. a lot of deaf populations Mm. um the deaf population do you find that it's generational deafness or how do people actually, yeah. um, what are the main deaf. conditions that yeah. create hearing loss? Yeah. Talk to me about that. So there's lots of different conditions. For me, myself, I had meningitis when I was two. So mm. you'll meet a lot of people who potentially were deaf from meningitis. Interesting. There's definitely um, genetic causes. And for those families, they're quite famous in the deaf community as mm. um, deafness runs from like, their great-grandparents grandparents parents grandchildren there's also um other conditions like german measles um some people have complications at birth and they become deaf Mm. um certain drugs exposure to excessive noise um and different infectious diseases are the other main reasons but um yeah 
So I suppose when you get, because I will say that Danielle is very well known across the country as being a deaf and a hard of, well, hard of hearing occupational therapist that is very proficient in Auslan. Mm-hmm. So you get a lot of people individually contacting you for referrals and Definitely. to assist on the NDIS. So can you talk, talk to me about what that looks like? So what are you helping people with? Yeah. So I guess the first thing is when you do get a referral, the biggest thing to remember is because a lot of people struggle with reading and writing, booking mm. in the appointment can be a little bit challenging. So it's important not to call them. And when you do text them or email them, keep it very basic and simple so they can understand. Uh, when you go out there, it's really important to know if they do use Auslan so you can book an interpreter beforehand. Mm. So, yeah, when you go out there, um, there will be an interpreter there and um, it's important when the interpreter is there for you to face the participant. So you are speaking directly to the participant and their family rather than looking directly to the interpreter as you will see that a lot of deaf people will look at you and then turn to the interpreter and you look at both your facial expressions and what the interpreter is saying. And I guess when we're out there, the main things that we discuss um, is assistive technology and also around what kind of supports they have in place at the moment. Are they able to um, do their own gardening and cleaning and things like that? As it's important to note, a lot of people who are deaf have bad balance. Interesting. And that can impact. And do you know why? Yeah. I think due to their inner ear, it's mm. all yeah, affected. So, yeah, it's important to find out whether or not they are independent with doing their ADLs. Mm. And then I guess the other thing is finding out whether their family can sign and their main people around them can sign and if they would like any um, assistance with teaching them to sign. So there's ways of doing that through the NDIS plan. Fabulous. Okay. So um, with Auslan, just to give us a little bit of a context here, how many people do you think are trained in Auslan. So what's it like in the deaf community? Because I, th- I think, you know, from my perspective, mm. I'm almost making the wrong assumption that everyone knows how to yeah. Auslan. So, and that it, it sounds to me like that's not the case. No, and there's actually a massive um, shortage of Auslan interpreters. Mm. And you'll hear about this a lot when you do go out and meet deaf participants. So... Yeah, a lot of people have to wait for weeks to get in contact with an interpreter. Um, there is a system online um, called the National Relay Service where you can make a phone call through text or through sign. Often that takes about four or five hours wait as soon as you log on there. So mm. there's definitely lots of barriers at the moment. Mm. Um, and if anyone's interested in learning Auslan, the deaf community are always really mm. happy if anyone wants to go to courses at TAFE or um, through the local deaf society or deaf services because we need so many more mm. interpreters and people who understand and can sign. Mm. Yeah, it's so, very true as yeah. well. And it's very, it's very great. It's, I very much enjoyed it. Yeah. So I just want to go back to when you go out and see a participant so you're looking at their whole needs so you're looking at their balance as well yeah so what kind of stuff are you generally recommending yeah so i guess the main thing with deaf participants is assistive technology Mm. so maybe i'll explain some of the things that they usually need so the main the first thing is 
a doorbell. So obviously people who are deaf can't hear the doorbell. So mm. they need a visual way of knowing someone's at the door. Mm. So the main doorbells we recommend are, it's called a push transmitter from, um, it's a Bellman push transmitter. So that means when they push it, there's a flashing light inside that alerts them that someone's at the door. The other type of doorbell is a video doorbell. So when you push the doorbell, it will connect to their mobile phone so they can actually see who's standing at the door. Interesting. So that's so first, and once you go inside, then you've got to think about um, what would happen if there was an emergency, if there was a fire. So often the fire alarms they will have will not be visual. Mm. So there's different types of fire alarms that you can get. The main one that I tend to use is the Bellman one. So it looks like a standard fire alarm and they have a flash receiver. So uh, if there is a fire, it will flash. Plus there will be a bed shaker. So the bed will shake if Mm. there's a fire to wake them up. Can I just ask a quick question about that? So there's definitely more needs. We get quite often get asked about the wireless versus the wired. Yeah. Um, flashing. Yes. Flashing fire alarms. Yeah. So can you talk me through the difference? When would you go for a wired one? When mm. would you go for a wireless? And how do you get the electrician? Because I imagine that with a wired one, you need an electrician. It's really hard. Yeah. yeah. So there's definitely more varieties out there as NDIS has been out for a while right. now. Uh, when you go out often the participant will probably know which one they want mm. the people who want the wireless ones or more the video ones, which are a bit more high tech mm. they tend to be the people who can read and write and have mm. internet mm. so and if that's the case usually they will know what they want already mm-hmm. um, and if that needs to be installed by an electrician uh, we can actually get that paid through con- the consumables budget mm-hmm. Um, in terms of the wired one, that tends to be people who don't have the internet. They may they may not be able to read and write as well, so they may not have Wi-Fi there to use the internet and they may not need it. Mm. So that's when we tend to use the other option. Mm-hmm. And does it have to get replaced very often? Or? Uh, it probably states on there how yeah. often it needs to be replaced. Just like a normal yeah, one, I imagine. Yeah, just like a normal okay. one. Okay. And then the main other piece of equipment that we also recommend are um, alarm clocks. So mm. that what normally happens is the bed will shake or there'll be a light next to the, bled, the bed, like a strobe light, that will wake them up. Mm. Yeah. So just really quickly, electricians, do they come out of NDIS, the NDIS budget? So they can come out of the consumables. Mm. I mean, depending what it is. Yeah. And I think you have to use your discretion mm-hmm. with that. Mm-hmm. If they're wanting a major big um, mm. reno with lots of things done, mm. then that can't happen. But if it's a basic installing a fire alarm, mm. that should be fine. And we've done that in the past. Right. Great, that's great. So you you said bed alarms as well. What about um, people that have multiple mm-hmm. conditions, so cerebral palsy? Are there any, say, personal alarms that you would recommend? Yeah, I haven't found any at the moment that are death specific. Mm. However, there are if if a couple is living in a house and um, they are deaf, plus maybe they have another condition as well. Um, there are different. I guess they're called pages that they can Mm. have on them that will alert their partner if they need them for certain things. And these pages will let them know 
which room they're in and what they need. Right. Okay. So they can also be purchased through Bellman. Mm. And it sounds to me like, you know, there's an absence of that product in the Definitely. market at the moment, yeah. which is which is really good to know. Yeah, yeah. What are some other things? Like, so they're the main things. So there's some yeah. other things that you hear every yeah. once in a while in a blue moon that we should be thinking about when yeah. we're completing an assessment? Uh, so one thing that's really popular at the moment is the iPad or mm. customised commercial tablet. So the main reason why you'll hear deaf people needing these is because of the large Auslan in shortage, mm. Auslan interpreter shortage, sorry. Um, an iPad will then allow them to connect to an interpreter over the internet. And yes. that can be an interpreter anywhere in Australia. So mm. that means that they can get an interpreter quickly and they can take the iPad out with them, maybe to the doctor or maybe to another health professional and quickly jump online and connect with an interpreter so they know what's happening in the meeting. Mm. So this is also really important for participants who are rural. So I had mm. a participant who lived in a country town, there was no interpreters, so he needed an iPad to connect to an online interpreter. Mm, so that's one of the main things. The other thing you'll hear about is Apple Watches. So it's been a bit hit and miss whether we do get that through NDIS, but the main justification is around normally mums who want that, so they um, are notified if their children need them or their husband need them, mm. and it can also be used as an alarm clock as well. Interesting. So it does shake, does it? Yeah. I wasn't aware wrist. of that, so that's yeah. really interesting. Yeah, yeah. So I've heard about Roger pens in the past. So do you want to explain what a Roger pen is and what is your thoughts about something like this device? Yeah, we, I haven't actually used them that much mm. with deaf and hard of hearing. However, it's normally come through the audiologist. Yes, Probably not so much through OT. So Roger pen is... Yeah, is a pen, oh no, is a pen where um, you speak into it. Well, isn't it where you're in a group situation, is yeah. that correct? Yeah. And it should ampl- amplify the person's yeah, voice. Yeah, amplifies and it also focuses on the clarity. So yes. it then connects through someone's hearing aid or through mm. their cochlear implant mm. and, yeah, improves the clarity of what's happening in the meeting. And it will also pick up where someone's chatting. So if someone's mm. chatting opposite you, it will pick up that sound and then it'll pick up yeah, anyone else talking in the group. So Interesting. But that would usually come through the audiologist because we're not, um, I guess it's difficult for the OTs to know what kind of hearing aid they have mm. or what kind of cochlear they have and mm-hmm. whether that works and whether mm. it sinks. So. Interesting. So just that, that was a really interesting point you made, Danielle, about clarity. Yeah. Can you talk to me about why clarity is important? Yeah. So a lot of people who are hard of hearing, uh, it won't matter how loud something is, it will probably matter more the clarity of the sound. Um, that, you'll hear that a lot with people who listen to meetings in um, group settings that um, whilst they might be able to hear the sound, they just can't understand the clarity of what the person Mm. is saying. Mm. So that's also really important when people are watching TV. So um, you can turn the TV up really loud, but that's not going to help the clarity of what um, the deaf person is hearing. So uh, one of the things they do have is subtitles on TV Mm -hmm. so they can read what's Mm. happening. Mm, That's really interesting. So talking about... Um, 
the difference between an occupational therapist. So it sounds like this is a lot of stuff occupational therapists can help with. Yeah. What about the role of a speech pathologist? Yeah. Um, Particularly in an NDIS setting. Have you noticed that they're being linked in with this community? Yeah, definitely. And it tends to be the um, people who are deaf and would like to improve their speech or would like to learn to speak again. And it's a very specialised area, being able to teach someone who is deaf to speak or to improve their speech. Um, And we do have some speech therapists um, who are trained in that area. Mm. So, yeah. It would just yeah, if, if you need someone in need contact, please just reach out and we can try and find who Great. the best person is for that. Great. And I imagine that that is very precarious. That would be led by the person because Correct. as you were talking about the cultural differences, yeah. you've got to be really mindful that that is actually a yeah. goal that they want to work on. Correct. Yeah. And they might be quite happy signing. Interesting. Yeah. What about, if, we were talking about phys, uh, balance. Yeah. So does a physiotherapist ever assist or is it? Yeah, that's a really good question. I guess in my experience, I have poor balance as well. That mm. I think they can do some techniques, but I'm not sure if it can fix the underlying problem. Mm. And I guess it really varies from be, yeah. person to person. It'd probably but be I, a compensatory, yeah, wouldn't it? Yeah, definitely. Mm. Yeah, and there might be assistive technology that could be put in place to assist with that. It's mm, interesting. Um, on the balance, it's also quite common for people who are deaf to have tinnitus. So that's a ringing in the ears. So you may hear that a bit as well. Interesting. I imagine that that really affects clarity as well. Oh, 100%. Mm. Yeah. What are some of the other consequences of tinnitus? Uh, I guess the main thing that you'll hear is people experience a lot of anxiety and depression Mm. because often the tinnitus is quite loud and they have no escape from it. Interesting. So there are some amazing tinnitus retraining therapy centres that are quite successful, um, but not widely known about. And you can always point people in that direction if Great. they're experiencing tinnitus. Right, that's brilliant. Really good to know. So we've talked a lot about AT. So we've yeah. talked about bed alarms. We've talked about smoke alarms. We've talked about doorbells. So talk to me about how do we get this through the NDIS? Is it through core? Is it, do we need to be writing an AT form? Yeah. So for those minor pieces of equipment, so the bed alarms, doorbells and fire alarms, they can actually come through consumables. Mm. So if it's a, someone who's NDIA managed, we have an organization called Word of Mouth. Mm. and they are NDIS registered and they're fabulous and we can get the equipment through them. For people who are self-managed and plan-managed, they have a bit more flexibility Mm. and there's some options on the internet or other um, assistive technology providers also have them. And talk about word of mouth, is that national? They are based, I believe, in Melbourne. Great. uh, But they are great and they send Send the equipment out. Yeah. That's really good to know. Yeah. So if it's equipment such as the iPad Mm. and an Apple Watch, that requires an AT request because it's not a standard item that will come through consumables. Interesting. And what's the success rate of that been? Uh, iPads, recently we've had a pretty good success rate. Mm. But with Apple Watches, I've only heard of a few getting approved. 
And are there any tips and tricks of tricks of what you can write in your report to strengthen that Ooh. argument? What would you focus on? <laughs> what would we focus on? I guess it would be the functional impact of mm. that and why it really increases that person's independence. And we have a lot of great example reports, so please feel free to reach out if you need an example. Great. Yeah. Is there anything else that we should be mindful of when working with this population? Yeah. I guess a lot of people who are deaf, you will hear that they experience, whilst they're quite happy in the deaf community, they do have a lot of frustrations Mm. around miscommunication, not having things available in Auslan. So, for example, on NDIS website, they've just recently added an Auslan section. Um, they experience quite a lot of fatigue from straining to hear throughout mm. the day. Um, some people who are deaf experience social isolation and they tend to be the people who can't sign and are not mm. part of a deaf community. And you'll hear a lot of people experience anxiety and depression as well, unfortunately. Mm. Mm. And what would you do if you come across someone that is experiencing you know, those symptoms of anxiety yeah. and depression and isolation? What would you recommend? I guess the first thing would be really trying to build rapport and find Mm. out about them and what would help them in that situation. So for some people it might be getting them involved in the deaf community so they've got people around them who can sign. Mm. Um, For other people it might be getting more health professionals involved such as counsellors or psychologists who Mm. can sign or who Mm. have understanding of the deaf community Mm. to help them through and navigate those situations. Mm. It may also be that they are having trouble doing their ADLs and can't access the community and mm. in that sense we can look at getting support workers out to mm. help them with that, with those types of things. Great, that's brilliant. Well, thank you so much, Danielle. Um, I really appreciate your insights into this special and amazing community. Yeah. So um, any parting thoughts before we go? Um, no, but I just love the deaf community and I hope everyone really, um, yeah, gets to experience how special it is. And I guess if anyone does have any questions, we do have a um, Teams, team Streams, sorry, uh, on Teams we have a vision and hearing impaired tab. So if anyone would like to ask any questions, just pop it on there. And I, myself and a few other members of the team who are interested in deaf and hard of hearing monitor that and we can help give you some ideas. So thank you so much, everyone. Great. Thank you, Dan. Bye.